This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, and starting quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, not actually with us in the studio, but we'll start on that topic a surprise to no one. Um, I think the surprise was that it wasn't announced one or two days earlier. Um, I'll be very curious to see how the locker room dynamics change with Malik Zaire. Uh, he's a pretty emotional guy. I, not taking the news well from what I can gather privately. Uh, publicly, I'm sure he'll put on a brave face about it. But, um, I mean, this is, is no-brainer as of a decision as I thought Brian Kelly could it's going to have all year. Yeah, and I thought Brian Kelly's comments on Tuesday about from your question, Pete, about uh, you know backup and what he expects—not body language, but what he actually expects them from uh, from the backup on game day. Uh, you know, I think we all knew he was he was referring to Zaire yeah. at that point. As far as the timing of the announcement, you know, I, to me that's minutia and doesn't matter whether Deshaun Kaiser announced it. Kaiser announced it because. It's player availability on Wednesday and Kelly talks on Thursday, whatever. Um, you know, it's the right call. It's the only call. There would have been buildings burned down had he not been chosen as a starter against Nevada, and it's what you have to do. I guess I was a little bit surprised for Kaiser to then say he expects to be the guy for the whole game and whether that was actually what was communicated. It probably was because Kaiser doesn't usually stretch the truth. So, um the only decision that had to be made, we move forward and see what happens against a Nevada defense that's very, very vulnerable. Not so much against the pass, but the rush. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who um, we expect a large margin in this game. When does Zaire go in? And I don't mean, I don't, I, I don't, it's not a rotation. I'm saying it's yeah. an interesting thing where your backup quarterback clearly doesn't want to be your backup quarterback. Well, especially with Michigan State next week. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. Kelly it, wants Kaiser to get reps. But in this, yeah, exactly. But it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that they're playing Nevada. I think it's. I think it's important that they're playing Nevada because I think anybody else on the schedule could be a little bit of a problem on the short week coming down from Texas. But back in the summer, I went through this. That oddly, game two has been a massive, massive problem during the Kelly era. They're yeah. they're three and three. Um, one of the wins is phenomenal. The Michigan game where they won thirty one nothing. The other two are the two greatest escapes of all time: Purdue in two thousand twelve and Virginia last year. They've lost three outright. They're not going to lose this one. I I wouldn't think you need a great escape in this one. But man, this this. They really need to just play well and have a defense that doesn't give up more than three touchdowns in yeah. a game at some point. Yeah, I mean, on the topic of that defense, uh, talking to Rochelle, Martini, Luke yesterday, they were all very much looking forward to a return to normal defense. Um, Rochelle used the term getting back to our bread and butter. Um, they're looking forward to be, you know being a lot more aggressive. Uh, I sort of went to, did a little statistical deep dive. They brought five-plus rushers eight times on 27 passing attempts for Texas and pressured the quarterback on those 27 pass attempts just four times. Um, it was very antithetical approach for Brian Van Gorder on Sunday. And I think just the the fact that that 
defense was installed just for that game and it allowed 50 points is just it, it makes it even more mind-blowing to me now than it did while I was watching it actually I, happen. I do, I do understand, and Brian Kelly said this, I do understand that when you're facing hurry-up, you want better athletes on the field. I understand that. But, you know, much like the Notre Dame offense when they say, okay, we're going to be in a hurry-up mode, it, it erodes, it fades as the game goes on. And it, it did for Texas as well. I think, you know, if you were playing with 5 DBs for the sake of being athletic enough, that dissipated as the game went on. So, I, I, I mean, I look at Nevada and say, well, okay, well, why wouldn't they run the same? If they ran that against Texas, why wouldn't they run it against Nevada? Other than the fact that it was a disaster. Yeah, that's, that's why they're not going to run it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, I think at this point, the most interesting part about this Nevada game, Nevada game, I keep saying Nevada. It's wrong. Nevada. It's Nevada. I had a Nevada fan tell me that in two thousand nine. It's or, it's also Oregon that. Oregon, I do know that. I don't know say. why I messed it up with Nevada. But anyway, Nevada will only be on our minds, I think, for another four or five days. But it's you have to see something on the defense, right? It, if Notre Dame wins this game 50-27, to 27, that's not good. That's not a good sign for Brian, unless it all comes late when you have all your backups in. You know, you have to play good defense. It's, it's remarkable what's happened the last three games, and the teams are way better than Nevada that they've lost to. Great offense, legitimately. Well, two legitimately great offenses last year, and then we don't know what Texas is this year. I just want to see a defense that plays sound football at some point. Well, this is a good. I think this is a really good opponent for Notre Dame for a couple it's reasons. My rallying One, cry. Yeah. It is. <laughs> there are other games on Saturday. Yeah. This is a good opponent for Notre Dame. Number one, they they should win and, and be able to go into Michigan State feeling better about themselves. Number two, it's a veteran offensive line with a really really good running back who's got a little bit of power but's very very shifty. So they're going to have to defend the run. So they are going to score points, is what you're telling. No, no, not, not. I mean, not necessarily. But James Butler's a good running back, and he's shifty, and he's going to be elusive. And if Notre Dame has tackling problems, which I think they do, uh, he he could give them trouble. So that that's a good matchup. I, I think another their secondary is pretty good. It's young, but it's pretty good. good so that's a good yeah. Safety safeties play. are definitely very good. And um, but he can't trade college football. And the good thing is, this should be an easy defense to run against. I, I, I mean, that's, I think there's 250 the yards yeah. rushing here easily. I think that watching <laughs> watching the tape, like live, I was like, yeah, McGlinchey and Nelson kind of like, yeah, okay. And then the tape, I thought they were almost like bad. Um, and if you had told me that McGovern and Bars were actually Nelson and McClinchy, I would have believed you. I didn't um, see that with Nelson, but I, you know, we don't. He, I thought he, not, he missed some. Big time blocks okay. um, in in key moments, and I just felt like they are going to come back and be extremely pissed off yeah. on Saturday. And they get to tee off on defensive ends who are two hundred forty pounds and outside linebackers who are two hundred twenty. And I think they're going to knock a couple of them out of the yeah. game. I, I really expect them to play well it's on a, Saturday. It is a it's a bad combination of inexperience. They lost six of their front seven and small. Yeah, it's not it's not. It's not good for Nevada in that way. So I I expect the offensive line to play really well. Um, and I, I think that is going to be one of those things that, that is pretty much all that matters. You could put Kaiser, Zaire, Wimbush, Montgomery Van Gorder. I think that offensive line will take care of what Notre Dame needs to get done offensively. Well, listen to Tim describe Notre Dame's defense with the potential defensive struggles. I was thinking, you know, maybe Nevada scores... 40 instead of the 24, but as Pete no. said, they're scoring 80, so there's no, yeah. Uh, yeah. it doesn't matter, they're going to cover this game. Yeah. I, yeah, I think this is, that's my point, you, you got to play better defensively, you, you can't 
have these breakdowns. Look, they had breakdowns against UMass last year, and I don't only mean in the fourth quarter. They just they're a defense that breaks down. To me, they're poorly coached. It's time to start seeing it all his all the. It's not like they're not trying. It's like Brian Van Gorder is not putting all of it into it. We need to see the fruits of his labor at some point start. They have to play good on defense because they have a very hard test next week. And that I mean, you can't go in there just being a defense that keeps getting shredded and asking your offense. No, to score and they 15. do. And you know, another thing I, I didn't mention this. Another thing Nevada has is they they've got a pretty good receiving core. The quarterback's not great, but he's a guy that's capable of getting the football to a six five guy, a six four guy, and a fast guy. What do you want? Don't to say? bet the game. <laughs> Tim yeah. is making you not bet the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many points. Well, on or, it. or go the opposite yeah. of what yeah. I say. What they, I mean, they have. Good size of receiver, but they don't have John Burt. Like they don't have the speed. No, they my, definitely don't opinion, have that. To get behind Notre no. Dame's corners, could they get behind Notre Dame's safeties other than Studsill? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would if I was Nevada, I would play action the hell out of Notre Dame's Oh yeah, safeties. absolutely. Um, they do have that Gonzalez kid that caught a forty-six yarder. That that's they, it. That's a speed mean, guy, but but it's know. like alert, alert! This yeah. guy's in the game. He's right. only running in a straight line, um, which can be <laughs> enough sometimes, but. I yeah I I just don't feel like Notre Dame's corners, especially because they're only going to be end up playing two most of the time, and it's just going to be Luke and Crawford, which is a really nice that's a good combination. That would have worked um, last week if you think. And about I would it. love to see you know just like look, give me Cage and Tillery and Rochelle, and get Jay Hayes out there. Trombetti is the fourth defensive lineman with Martini, Morgan, and Wilder behind them. Just play a normal defense. And I think that could be a, a pretty good group. Um, I do want I do want to see Stud still play seventy five plays. Like I want to see him out there the whole time. I think I, they do too, don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I asked Kelly about it. I'm like, don't you just have to roll the dice on Stud still? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. Because um, like they just they are so well. Presumably, Sebastian, Sebastian's out, right? Yeah. Presumably, so there's no. He looked worse off. I not to measure concussions. I don't know, but he looked worse than Hunter did. I mean, he look. He got it. First of all, he got a double hit. That could just be a yeah. worse situation. Yeah, he did not seem to react to that yeah. well. They're just so poor athletically with their starting safeties due to injury. I mean, it's not it's not Sebastian's fault that he's had yeah. the torn Achilles yeah. and concussions and shoulder and foot, and it's not Tranquil's fault he's torn two ACLs. But that's the reality. I mean, the same way it wasn't Jarrett Grace's fault he got rolled up on. But right. when you get you know, those season-ending injuries, those take a toll, and I think you're seeing that. All right, my only two predictions for the game are that Notre Dame will score 50, or thereabout, and they'll rush for 250 yards. As far as the point spread, <laughs> pick at your own I, risk. It's, it's mm. weird. We really don't know how many competitive game points Notre Dame could give up. If I told you 20, you wouldn't blink, right? No. Nope. But if I said that Nevada, as the game goes along, will find a way to score 30, let's say Notre Dame has 55, they shouldn't yeah. be able to. They do shouldn't, that, right? They yeah. should not yeah. be able to no. score should thirty. Texas has scored thirty-seven regulation points in the opener. You wouldn't. I, I thought you that wouldn't. I had him for sixteen. That makes me dumb. But what I'm saying is that's insane. We don't know what we're going to get out of this defense. Remember, yeah, I, I, in principle, I totally agree with you. Okay. We do not know what we're going to get. I would guess they're going to score twenty, right? Because this is what we're. I mean, at least I'm on. I'm forty-two seventeen. Um, yeah, I'm in the 45-24 I just, range. I just, I don't think Nevada's that good. I, I, um, I, I don't either. But UMass I, I, was terrible, so. <laughs> and I'm. They scored 27. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your prediction? I'm in the 45-24 range. Um, I was actually in that 17 range as well, but then I just add seven points. <laughs> because why wouldn't I? Have you, yeah. have, you, have you watched this? 
Somebody's what, getting beat, saying, what's right? What's the <laughs> saying? Uh, fool me once, yeah. shame on you. Fool me twenty-two times, <laughs> shame on me. I mean, that, yeah, you, that's probably a good philosophy to have. That look, up, pick a reasonable score, and then just add just seven add, just add points to it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's uh, it's gonna. I'm curious to see what the vibe in the stadium's gonna be because like there's. there's, there's <laughs> it, no, uh, it is. This such an air no, out of the balloon. It's the Sunday opener. night. Oh, because the, the opener. You think? Body, yeah, you got the yeah. music playing. It'll be a beautiful day too. Actually. Yeah, home opener. You know, is it gonna be a little bit louder because the stadium is is filled in now on the sides and it, at the end as well. Um, I just and, just and but I do think Notre Dame's gonna have to manufacture their own energy. Yeah, for stretches of this game. There's plenty of tickets available for this um, outside. It doesn't matter if it's a sellout. Right. You'll be able to get a ticket for twenty dollars and walk into the game. I, everybody I know is asked, "Do you know anybody that needs tickets?" I'm like, oh. yeah, <laughs> I didn't. But I, I expect yeah. Notre Dame, especially on both their offensive line, to play an, a very angry football game, yeah. and I think that will. I don't think Mike McGlinchey would be well if the crowd was louder. <laughs> no, play harder. <laughs> like, that's. I think they'll manufacture their own energy on in the trenches at least. The rest of the game. That's probably might where it matters. Little, might be a little bit sleepy, yeah. but I think that that's ultimately why they steamroll them. Okay, I don't. I, I I think that most of our readers and Notre Dame fans will want to talk more about the Texas game than they do the Nevada game, and we'll get to some of those questions in, in section section two. back to Irish Illustrated Insider. We're into segment two, and we've sort of got a question that we're lifting from our message board. Uh, and it's I think a lot of people sort of have this question. It's a little bit inside media, but they want to know when we're in press conferences with Brian Kelly and we ask a question and he gives an answer, the sort of protocol or etiquette for following up if we feel like that answer is not accurate, or we insufficient, dis- or, or we disagree with it, or insufficient. Um, and I think that this all stems from the questions about Brian Van Gorder and like whether he thinks the defense is in good shape or not. And his answer was basically to the effect of, "If we give up fifty points a game for the next ten games, then you can ask me this question," um, which I don't think anyone in the room took as he expects them to give up fifty points <laughs> a game, and then and then we will ask about Brian Van Gorder again, but. Um, I think it does when we're in press conferences and there are you know difficult questions or, or tough questions that that we have to ask about you have to at least my opinion is when you ask a question you think about the way you want to phrase it you ask it he answers it maybe there's a follow up to clarify something but the follow up is never why or <laughs> no or like that's the craziest thing I ever heard. You ha- you he ha- he answers the question. You accept the answer. If you want something clarified, that's fine. But these press conferences and I just think media interaction in general is it's not a message board debate in a press conference. It's a question and an answer, and then you move on to the next question. And quite often, the answer to the question we have four weekly things with Brian Kelly post game where it's heated a little bit if there's a loss. And you know it's going to be a difficult situation. Sunday, where he's had a chance to review the tape. And then Tuesday, where he's had a couple days and they're starting to move on. But he's still going to... If it's a big game, they still answer Tuesday questions. The three stages of Brian Kelly. The three stages of Brian Kelly. And then Thursday's moving on the next game, so he never answers the question there. The three stages are, as Pete said, you're going to be... If you if you did something that could be perceived as... I'm just going to bring up the Northwestern one, because this is the most famous. Or the... You know, Northwestern, the two-point conversion. At the beginning, he's like, why would I not have gone for two? Sunday, he said, 
followed up with, it's the right call. Tuesday, he made a joke about how he can't add. Yeah. <laughs> so, but sometimes it, it, it comes all the way, you know, it goes downhill and you figure it all out. But this particular day, there was a question asked by Tim, opened the post-game press conference, asking about the three down front. You got an answer. Gave it, actually gave a detailed answer. Because you don't agree with that doesn't mean you're all of a sudden be like, I think you should have played four down. Right. That's he, not the way the world works. We're not debating with friends over beers. You got an answer. You wrote about it. We asked it again on Sunday. Got an answer. Pete wrote about it. We asked it again on Tuesday. And a different, you know, not the exact same thing, but it, it was, he talked a little about it. He even said, hey, I think maybe we, we could have changed it up a little bit. I wrote about it. Brian Kelly, to back him up here, does not need to ever tell us the truth about schematic things. Ever. Because you know what happens when you tell the truth? You're Bob Diaco, and you say, I didn't have a plan B, and you're a great defensive coordinator that fans won't let live down one comment for five years. So if Brian Kelly said, post game to you, Tim Priester, what was the deal? You know, why did you, what was the deal? Don't ask it that way. <laughs> we have somebody saying, what's the deal on the, on the teleconferences? If you were to ask the question the way you did, professionally, and he says, Gosh, you know, looking back, I kind of wish we had some more big bodies in there, yeah. and I think we might then have that would be Then that would be the wrong answer. That would be the wrong answer. It would be crazy for him to tell everybody, yeah, I really blew that right there. I, my strategy stinks. Now let's talk about how poorly I there, did. There is no right uh, answer no. when you lose, right? right. I mean, because right. It, 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 it's going to be interpreted that way. We have to have a – we meet with them four times a week during season. That's 48 times over the course of the season. We have to have – a business relationship with them. There has to be a degree of diplomacy. Yeah, I, want, I, I think we'd all like to follow up with questions sometimes, but you better phrase it right. Otherwise, you're going to create a contentious situation. It's not that we're fearful that we're going to get credentials. No, pull our credentials it's but... not a matter of that, but it's a matter of, of, of having a working relationship with the head football coach that you meet with 48 times during the season. And he does not owe us full disclosure. If we don't like his answer, we write about it. If you don't like his answer, you complain about it. He doesn't have to tell us everything. He makes a hundred decisions in a half. There's going to be some wrong ones, and he's not there to defend himself on the wrong decisions. It's like, should they have run a draw on third and 12? Probably not, and I bet he wishes he didn't, but that's why I asked the question, what were you thinking? Were you protecting your bad defense, or did you think you could slip one by him? He said a little of both. I accepted it. I, I wouldn't run the draw, but I can't tell him you're wrong for running a draw. I think one of the things he's really good at is uh, tolerate is the wrong word. Um, it's probably more of an engagement with the media if he thinks you know kind of what you're talking about as as a reporter, and he feels like you probably did your homework on this question, and you're not asking just to be like, "I got you on this." Like, right. and I think that all three of us do a good job of that, it, engaging him on the level of like. You know, I, I just would like to know more about, like, why you did this. Not like, why did you do that? But, like, <laughs> I'm just sort of curious about how this all works, how this all fits together. We all fight to, to gain respect with your, with your peers and your associates. And if you cross that line repeatedly, how's that going to work? Yeah. I mean, you guys remember the worst question ever asked. At the pit, when Notre Dame came back. Oh, I thought pit. you meant about them being flat after Arizona <laughs> no, <yes>. State. <laughs> that was only one word. That, that was, was stage, that would be slightly stage one of Brian Kelly when it's like a little bit more heated. Post that was when he. That was when he didn't think I did my homework. Yeah. <laughs> the question when someone asked about, I thought Lewis Nix was sick. The the kid was trying to say compliment Lewis Nix. He actually was. Yeah. He was trying to say Lewis Nix played obviously played better than anybody thought he could. I thought he was sick, but the way he asked the question made it seem like. You lied to us and told us Lewis Nix was sick. So then Kelly went, 
off defending Lewis Nix. Yeah. You have to know how to ask the question. I mean, there, you can't be flippant and you can't be ill-informed. It can't just be right. like... And, and honestly, in those situations, sometimes the question doesn't come out the way you would like right. it to. Yeah, I don't you, think you, you want, to be you want it to. It just but, came out terribly and then yeah. he got nails. <laughs> but yeah. it's... yeah. So anyway, I mean, I think just to summarize, I mean, I think we understand where, where fans are coming from and why they ask those questions. I had friends ask me at lunch yesterday about my question on 3rd and 12. Why did you give him an out? It's not that gave him an out. I I knew the couple reasons he might have done it, so I wanted to see if he would clarify why. Doesn't mean I, I also think I also I mean, think that there's perception that if you press him, if you put his feet to the fire, that's going to solve the problem. Uh, O'Malley, you're right. And regardless, what he asked. yeah, whatever he answers is not going to change anything. So that's I mean that's just kind of our just from the inside. Out. That's kind of our perspective on these. I'm going to ask him post game Nevada about that second quarter draw play call. See how that goes. <laughs> All right, LR Ivers asks, "What defense do you guys feel will be the default for the Nevada game? Will they run primarily nickel or go base? Also, how do you see the team reacting to the devastating loss on Sunday night? They'll go four three based on what the players said, and I think just from a vocabulary perspective, they weren't playing nickel last week. They're playing three three five. Um, nickel is a four two five. Yeah. So. Their personnel will nickel be Nickel personnel, yeah, yes, nickel, that should yeah, be. Nick, nickel personnel, um, four, I think they'll play 4-3-4, four, four, your basic standard defense, and I think that they'll probably stick with that almost all the game because I don't, I don't expect Nevada to suddenly install a Temple office this week. I think they'll react well to the loss. Um, the one thing, I, what I looked for when I thought Nordic was going to beat Texas for this game was that Nordic would come out smoking 21 nothing lead, and then it kind of, you kind of, it's human nature to settle down against Nevada. Not sure they'll settle down as much. I think you would hope you'd be fully engaged into this one. So if Nevada has a really Nevada has a really good game, I think that's an, a bad sign for the defense going yeah, forward. Gonna, I, I think they'll be engaged. They're going to play their butts off yeah. this week. I, I think mean, had they won, Notre you, Dame is going to play. Yes, had they won the game against Texas in a short week, you might see some weird like, oh, what happened? How is a twenty-eight three lead all of a sudden thirty-one seventeen going right. in the fourth quarter? But that I don't think that. That'd be the case, mentally speaking. Irish Boo. Lou Holtz used to say something like, a team's greatest improvement comes in its second game. Was he right? Based on Nevada's difficulty defending Cal Poly's option, do you expect Malik Zaire to get more snaps at quarterback than would otherwise be the case? Does that make sense in terms of keeping Deshaun Kaiser healthy for Michigan State? Well, I mean, as Tim pointed out, they're 3-3 three and three in game two, so, I mean, it doesn't always work. A lot of it has to do with the, the opponent. Lou Holtz had... Lou Holtz's teams, generally speaking, and it was an accurate statement on his part. You I don't know. It's a, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, again, you look at the level of opponent this week from last week, obviously it's a little bit easier. But I think a lot of that that statement has to do with, you know, no, ma- no matter who you are, uh, I mean, even Alabama started a little slowly against USC. And no matter how long you've played that first game, whether it's a, a you know, a baseball player, basketball player, that first game of the year, you just have to find a comfort zone, and you can't. It's difficult to do that in the first game. It makes more sense, and it's easier to adapt to the flow of the game and the tempo of the game in game two. You know what's interesting? Now that I think about it, this bodes well for next week. I can think of several times, at least three, maybe four, where Notre Dame's best game was game three. So here you go, guys. Michigan Story State angle. coming up. There we go. Story angle. You know, I did ask. Uh, my theme yesterday with the players was how do you how do you respond to defeat. How do you take it? I think it's going to be. It, uh, Jack got some of the, some of that on film. I mean, I think it's going to be a fairly interesting 
story because everybody's a little bit different. Kaiser said he doesn't change at all. He's not going to suddenly become more vocal with the offensive players. That's not his approach. In fact, most of the guys we talked to yesterday are pretty low key, uh, you know, and aren't the, aren't going to respond with rah rah. Whereas, you know, a Joe Schmidt or somebody along those lines obviously would. Irish Bob, can you explain the targeting rule as it was not applied on Sunday? Uh, well, I was the one that spoke to our uh, college football rules expert, quote unquote. Who's a who's a former official? So we just started yeah yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Opposed to somebody who read the rule book, right? <laughs> which is which is why um, you know, which is which is why his perspective is always going to be from an official's perspective, which then pisses people off because they don't like that perspective. But that's they the don't only, like officials. Yeah, I mean that the, those are the arbiters of the game. So that's the the that. The, the, that's the opinion we're going to get in the, the, the point of view that we're going to get. That was targeting. There isn't, I don't, I mean, I can't, there isn't any doubt about it. It's not, it doesn't have to be helmet to helmet. It can be fist, elbow, shoulder, anything above the neck. I don't see any way to interpret that as anything other than targeting. Joey Bosa was thrown out of the game last year. For well, it's truck. it's above, but know, that's but part that's of that insane. is part of the rule. It says chest or sure. I'm not saying ab- he should above have been. the shoulders. Maybe he should have been. Maybe he shouldn't have been. But what is worse, what Joey Bosa did to Deshaun Kaiser, who laughed <laughs> when it happened, I'm sure, and got a good player kicked out, or that? Yeah, that I mean, is amazing. I was trying to think, run through my mind the targeting rules of Notre Dame. Yeah, obviously, to it at Pitt is the most famous one, which I thought was the worst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Temple. I got it. Council Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. Uh, Redfield against Purdue for sure. Morgan. Uh, yeah, Morgan had one Kicked too. Kicked out of the game. Lovo, Lovo, yeah, Lovo. Lovo. I don't remember that. He's had three it, straight it, starts with a personal foul. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like him. Yeah, I don't. I just don't understand the point of the rule. I mean, this is you should the default should be to throw the flag and then replay it and pick up the flag. Right now, not the other way around. Right now, what comes into play here is the new rule this year, where the the replay guy can initiate it and say, "Wait a minute, that was targeting." And I mentioned, you know, that earlier in the summer, uh, another referee told me that you know they're not. It's probably not going to uh, really be implemented well, because when they put new rules in, they don't want to start all of a sudden start calling it a lot. Then it creates. I don't know exactly how to explain it. Uh, again, you have to look at it from an official standpoint in the pressure that's on them to make these calls. I'm not justifying the call. Yeah. It I mean, should have been. Yeah, I yeah, mean, what, it, what it, you're it, saying is like I'm trying to come up with a, a, a set of circumstances where you wouldn't call it. Not there that, aren't. Not that, right. I have, and, and there aren't. That it's right. I have like, trouble finding it. Them to get I have there. trouble finding it, too, because yeah. it's directly in front of the referee and the targeting rule was kind of put in for defensive backs hitting defenseless receivers, right? Right. I mean, it's not... For that exact play. Yeah, it's not like the Tuit thing where he led with his helmet hitting a running back in the helmet in the hole. <laughs> I mean, that's football 101, and the unfortunately... The quarterback would then duck. Cor- yeah. Excuse me, yeah, a quarterback Right, when a, when a runner ducks and is leading with his head, what's your target? Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, what are, you gonna, what are you going to hit? This is why the rule exists. And, and whether you think... I mean, look, it affected Notre Dame because Hunter wasn't in the game. Instead of first and goal, they got a field goal blocked, which, by the way, uh, somebody on my Twitter feed showed me... <laughs> Oh, Hodges yeah, it was, pushing off. Yeah. It was a technical. You yeah. never see that. Control. No, you don't at all. But it was interesting. It was, you know, he's leveraged to block the field goal. It doesn't mean that this is why Notre Dame lost, but it, we're just going strictly on the call. I can't believe it wasn't called. I can't believe if Notre Dame won by 15 that that wasn't called. But yeah. I think, but losing Torrey Hunter is the key part here because yeah. 
A, they missed a field goal, and B, on the ensuing possession, they scored and took the lead. At that point, Notre Dame now has control of the football game, or they, if you want to win, you're in control, you're ahead, and they didn't take advantage of that. The biggest loss was not having Hunter in the yes, you know, in overtime or in the potential game-winning drive at the end of regulation. And that Torrey Hunter can't play defense. That's well, he true. actually can, remember? He, that's yeah. true, he can. Oh, he, he did. Yeah, yeah, he, he did last year. I apologize, Hunter. <laughs> All right, CJ Irish fan. Kaiser has landed on two experts' mock drafts as the number one pick taken in 2017. What do you think the odds are of Kaiser leaving if he has a very successful season? I did my mock draft for 2019, and Wimbush has gone number one. Yeah? Yep, But because I, that's how much I know about it right now. Um, <laughs> Kaiser, if he has a great year, I, I, I do think he would probably go. I yeah. mean, he's, he's built for it. Um, I would upgrade to definitely. Okay, yeah, he <laughs> would upgrade to definitely. So, yeah, if he has a great year, I think he'd go because he's mentally mature enough to go right. to the NFL, and he, too, and, and physically strong enough. He certainly has plenty to build on from the first game this year. All right, Terry Benedict, Notre Dame fans as a whole probably want Brian Van Gorder gone. As we fans are forced to root, are we fans forced to root against our own defense to see this come through? Or is it move this upcoming season a foregone conclusion? So if the defense became great under Van Gorder, you would still want him fired or what? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I mean, I understand in years past when you want yeah. a head coach to change, you th- the right. only way to change will occurs if you lose, but I I guess if you choose to cheer against BBG, so that will it won't help the process. Maybe it'll speed it up in your mind, but I think I would much rather see Nordin play good defense under Brian Van Gorder than yeah. hope for them to suck. The only way this question makes sense, and I, I do know what he means, is oh, I, let's I, say I, let's say Notre Dame goes ten and three because they average forty four points a game, and Notre Dame has the hundredth ranked defense. Are they going to keep Van Gorder? I wouldn't think so. But I wouldn't be rooting against. I mean, root for Brian Van Gorder's defense to get better each week. That's what you should do. That's... If you're asking what to root for, maybe they can play their best game against uh, USC. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but I, I think the, the final two words of the question, foregone conclusion, I don't think it's going to make a difference. That's That, that decision is... Either way, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is probably, that is likely. Um, Ah, uh, d- uh, Dip98, any insight into why Corey Holmes hasn't made the jump from promising spring ball performer to contributor in the fall? With Hunter potentially missing some time and Stefferson getting the bulk of those vacated snaps at Texas, the Holmes enigma becomes even more apparent. Yeah, I, I agree. He played more at Texas than I knew live because right. he just wasn't really involved in the plays. Um Look, it's look CJ Sanders. It's I mean, yeah, he was just sort of out there. Um, CJ Sanders has the chance to be great. Um, watching the replays of his catches, man, it's there. There's some real special athleticism that's that's happening in that that little body. Um, but but Corey Holmes, man, I they need something. Well, he's probably gonna, he's going to three, he's going to get reps at X this week. I wouldn't think he'd play any Z this week, right? This is your chance to have Holmes yeah, and Stefferson play. Yeah, he and has to be an X in the short term anyway until they have a good third Hunter string comes Z. Back. You know, Kelly made a comment in the spring. I think Kelly made a comment in the spring about you know you still you have to. It's one thing to to be track fast and to test well, but then when they're throwing passes, you've got to be able you've got to catch the football on the run at full speed, which. There's one thing that Kaiser said about Torrey Hunter that Hunter's played a lot of positions and he plays them fast. Regardless which one, he plays them fast. I don't think Corey Holmes plays as fast as he is. As he is. I agree. 
Yeah, yeah. He, had a, he had about 20 snaps in the game, which oh, well. I think would probably surprise I would have said, people. yeah, I would have said five. half a dozen. Yeah. yeah, he started. He was on the first snap. You know, um, and Brian Kelly said in the spring that kind of unique comment about Stefferson. He's never seen, he hasn't had a player that catches the ball at full speed as a young player like Stefferson does. So that's another that thing. Isn't, that's yeah. a trait. And that, you know what? Football. And that. And we, you see that. We saw that during the yeah. open practices. He does catch it at full speed. But it should be home, Stefferson and Holmes at X if, if Torrey Hunter's out, which yeah. we assume he would be. It has to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would think that would be Stefferson this weekend. Um, this, this is, there's one positive in coming out of this game. It's Stefferson, stud still, can sort of feel like, okay, regular players, I've been here for a little bit because they get a lot of action in a game that Rams Yeah, except stud still was productive and Stefferson wasn't. But, yeah, I, I, mean, but more, I understand what you're saying. Certainly more for Stefferson than stud still. Molds or Musselorder? <laughs> Molner. Molner. Okay, Molner. With an S in there. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Olner. All things considered, would you agree that the program is in its best spot since the Lou Holtz days? It's not easy. It's easy to get caught up in all the negatives surrounding the team. In my it's not even, of course. Yeah, of course I mean, it's, it's not even, it's not even, the other regimes weren't even close. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, they, I mean, I think the angst is, they, these last three games, Notre Dame needed to win one of them. Especially, yeah, Stanford I mean, or this one, there were the two that matter, the Ohio State didn't matter compared to And there's to this a one. gap between the Holtz productivity and the sure. Kelly productivity, yeah. the same way there's a gap between Kelly and, you know, Willingham and Weiss and Davey. Yeah, I think it, it's not even close, and it, are people overreacting? No, because there's nothing worse than losing your opening game if you're a playoff contender, right? It's not fun if you're a fan, and it's terrible if you're a coach. So they'll be overreacting if Notre Dame, if, you know, if they're three and one at the end of September. Every seven days, man. Yeah. Every seven days, we have a completely view of things. Less, Maybe that won't be quite the same. Unless you play with, Nevada, <laughs> unless you play Nevada. But generally speaking, we have a different frame of mind every say, seven days. Lose early to Texas. It worked for Oklahoma last year. So. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's true. All right. Well, that's it for segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll come back with some recruiting roundup. We got Jake out on the West Coast. He went to see one of Rams commits last week. Uh, at least one top prospect coming in this weekend too. So all that segment three, Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment three is our recruiting segment, and in addition to our Jake Brown being in Seattle to see Foster Serrell, we also have a couple visitors this weekend. Pete, what can you tell us? Yeah, C.J. Holmes, Pete Werner in town this weekend. There's a chance they might have um, some underclassmen cycle through. They probably will. Um, usually they're a little bit more under the radar for these types of games. But C.J. Holmes getting back to campus, first time since Irish Invasion, where he was really, really impressive. Um, and considering Notre Dame is still... Fighting tooth and nail for his teammate, Tariq Black. Um, Michigan has been all over him. Alabama has been all over him. Uh, to sort of reinforce your position with Holmes, I think would be great. Um, and then Pete Werner, in-state linebacker, actually played in South Bend last weekend, or Mishawaka, I should say. Uh, his cathedral was up here. Jake Brown went and checked him out. We have highlights on the website. Interview with Werner uh, from last Friday night. Came back from surgery on both hips. This offseason and looked pretty good doing it. So that's something to check out. But by far the more interesting stuff is um, Jake out in the Pacific Northwest. Not only seeing Foster Serrell, but uh, Selvan Ahmed, who's a four-star athlete. Much more of a big-time Kavari Russell type of prospect in terms of just overall athleticism. 
And, you know, we saw this on Sunday night. If you could stick a better athlete to the corner position, you're going to have a better defense. And Ahmed is definitely one of those better athletes. He's going to make a decision, I believe, in October. Um, and Notre Dame might be his last visit. It's his first visit here. The other competition is all Pac-12 based. So the Kamari Russell comparison, Notre Dame hopes it turns out that way. But in terms of just pure athleticism, this is a kid who put up a 4-3 at the opening. Um <clears throat> Noreen doesn't have enough of these kinds of athletes at the corner position. They have good players. This, uh, this kid has a chance more to be great. And where's Nordame now with Foster Serrell? It's To me, it's Nordame, Stanford, not in that order, and Washington is number three. Uh, he was at Nebraska last weekend for an official visit. I don't really think that's a serious player. Um, it's Nordame or it's Stanford. He'll be, his official visit to Nordame is for the Stanford game. I'm not saying the outcome of that game will sway him one way or the other, but um, I would hope that as McGlinchey and Nelson continue to ascend during the course of the season, that that would make a pretty good impression. Maybe even Ronnie Stanley starting at left tackle from day one for the Ravens will make a good impression. But uh, a high academic kid, I just don't see him going anywhere else other than Stanford or Notre Dame. But Notre Dame's in a dogfight there with Stanford. It's uh, distance is the family... The mom, the kid have both said that distance is an issue. Um, so that's something Notre Dame's just going to have to overcome because right. the campus is not moving right. any farther west. Well, certainly Stanford has produced their fair share of quality uh, offensive no tackles. No doubt about that. I mean, that's that's kind of it. We're gearing up for the Michigan State weekend. That should be good. Uh, I'm at, like I said, Thomas Graham, the four-star corner, will be out from California. Jeremiah Holloman, who's a top receiver from Georgia, is supposed to be in. Donovan Jeter, six foot six, 250-pound defensive end. I, if there if there are not a few Pretty signs in the student, there. if there aren't signs in the student section, you guys are just not doing your job. Uh, and then Jacob Phillips, another pass rushing linebacker type, also important. Uh, Alabama is very involved with him. I will take prospects that Alabama wants in the front seven every day, every recruiting cycle. So he's one of those guys. If they don't want him, you're okay with them <laughs> yeah. coming to Notre Dame. Exactly. Yeah. So. Recruiting about to sort of snap back into gear for the Michigan State weekend. Uh, Nevada should be quiet that way. But next week we will have highlights and interviews with both Ahmed and Sarah on our website. Uh, so check that out on irishillustrated.com. And our podcast will be back Monday, recapping Nevada, talking some recruiting, previewing Michigan State early days there, um, see if Notre Dame bounces back from that. So we'll have instant analysis, as we always do, every home game, pregame, postgame. Interviews with players, BK, stories, columns, all that on irishillustrated.com. So that's it for this week's podcast. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.